the Siege of New Hampshire series by Mick Rowland. Book 5, Critical Spring. Chapter 23, Watershed, Part 2. Oh, oh, if this is one of your freaking out things, I, I can help. I'll guide you over. No, get down. Susan pulled Aaron back flat to the ground. He can't know that I'm here. What? And why the hell not? Darren's straw-like hair swished back and forth above her deeply furrowed eyebrows as she shook her head with each syllable. Because I really do love him. You can't because you... you what? Oh, that's just stupid. I've never heard such a... And what does that even mean? Be quiet, they'll hear you, Susan scolded. Oh, for crying out loud! Darren flopped on her back in exasperation. Susan tried to explain, though she wasn't sure she fully understood it herself. I just realized that what I want most right now is what's best for Martin, not what's best for me. Don't you see? If I go back with him, I'd be putting him in an awful spot. He really loves Margaret, yet I think he loves me too, though maybe not the same way. He won't be able to love us both. He's not that kind of guy. I would be forcing him to make awful choices. He couldn't win. But you said you could go back and be happy, just living nearby. So, go back, live nearby, be happy, retorted Aaron. I was wrong. I could be happy living nearby, but Martin couldn't. Susan could feel a tear welling up in her right eye. I can't do that to him. She swallowed hard. Her throat felt tight. This is the hardest thing I have ever done. She was talking to herself more than Aaron. Martin strapped the canvas bag to the back of the saddle. He said a few indistinct parting words to Shively. Seeing Martin's smile was devastatingly bittersweet. Part of her ached to run over and talk to him, tell him how much she really cared about him and wanted to make him happy. And yet the realistic part of her knew that she needed to remain invisible for him to be happy. If he even suspected that she was present, he would rush over to her without thinking. That's just the way he was. He would probably try to urge her to come with him. He would be torn in a way that Susan couldn't bear. What's best for Martin is for him to not know that I'm here, Susan whispered. I totally do not understand you, said Aaron. You're making no sense whatsoever. There he is, the man of your dreams, not thirty yards away, and you say you can't? Susan had to swallow several times to keep a sob under control as she watched Martin mount his horse and wade back into the shallow backwater channel. She held her hand out to gently pretend touch Martin's back as he crossed the clear water. She mouthed a silent, I love you, Martin, words she knew he should never hear her say. She closed her eyes tight and clenched her jaw shut. Part of her wanted to die right then. Indeed, it seemed like part of her had. Without the dream that had sustained her all those months, she was, once again, a woman without a country. The other time, she could blame someone else for her exile. Boyfriends, or co-workers, or even Sharon. This time, she had voluntarily exiled herself. She lay back on the leaf litter, her body an inert mass. Well, you can come out of hiding, ladies. Shively said with a swagger in his voice. Deal's done, and I even have a tidy profit. Shively stopped when the two women didn't come out of hiding. 
something wrong back there? Are you sick or something? he asked. A kind of, yes, said Aaron. She brushed a lock of curls off of Susan's forehead. He's gone now, she whispered. You can open your eyes. We can't stay here on this island. We have to go. Not until the next drone passes, added Shively. He looked at his watch. That'll be in maybe ten or fifteen minutes, assuming someone hasn't screwed up their schedule. He shot a glare at Susan. Susan was in no mood for Shively. It was a strange feeling to have loathing to be the first emotion to enter the hollow void in her soul where her dreams used to be. They were your goons, she grumbled as she sat up. All three of them took positions to lay amid the leaves on the east side of the island's modest hill and tossed dead leaves on themselves. They each lined up behind a tree trunk such that they could just see over the rise. Susan found the oak branches she and Aaron had used earlier as visible cover in front of their faces. The actions, though familiar, felt to Susan like she was watching someone else perform the tasks. Do you think they'll look harder this time because of those guys in the boat? Aaron asked. Her tone was nervous. She tossed another handful of leaves on her back. Susan took some comfort in the thought. Even if the feds captured them, she had completed her mission. She found and delivered the medicine that Margaret needed to live. In doing so, she had made Martin happy. Even if he had no idea that she had a hand in it, she did it for him. After ten long minutes of lying among the leaves, the hum of the approaching drone began. The black quadcopter moved much more slowly than usual. It resembled a frozen spider as it floated twenty feet above the river. The drone veered toward one side or the other with no discernible pattern. Was it looking for them? The red lights atop the sensors blinked on and off as the drone passed them. Susan held her breath and moved only her eyes as she watched the flying spider drift between the dry oak leaves. It paused momentarily over the inlet that Shively's hired goons had emerged from. Had they spilled the beans? The drone buzzed on. Susan exhaled. So far so good, said Shively. He rolled onto his side so he could face Susan and Aaron. Despite your meddling, myth, this transaction has worked out pretty well. He smiled in an ingratiating way that only increased Susan's loathing. Our uh, customer even gave me a tip for my excellent service. He handed over 522 ounces of silver. Shively enunciated each numbers succinctly. Said he didn't care if he overpaid. Ha! What a chump! Susan glared at him but clenched her jaw tight to prevent impulsive words from escaping. She wouldn't allow someone like Shively to know who Martin was to her. I must say, I was a little worried our fed friends might get a little too curious after your meddling, but I arranged a pretty good cover story for those guys. If they stick to the script, and it appears as though they did, then no deeper suspicion would be aroused. All we have to do is sit tight and wait for the return pass, and we can call this done. Aaron looked at Susan with worry in her eyes. Susan reached over to pat Aaron's hand and offer a smile. Aaron smiled back, though still beneath worried eyebrows. 
Susan laid flat again, facing the river. An odd feeling of lightness, almost vertigo, came over her. It was like deja vu, although instead of feeling like she had done the exact same thing before, her feeling was more akin to snapping out of being deep in thought while driving at night and not knowing where she was. How did I get here? Six months ago, she was a bank teller, leading a quiet city girl's life of Netflix and Stouffer's. Her biggest worry was whether she would pass her associate's test. Today, she was worrying whether or not a fed spy drone would see her and she might get captured. How could she have lived two such completely different lives? Hiding from the drone reminded her of when she was a little girl hiding from a monster that she was sure lived under her parents' garden shed. When did the government become the shed monster? There was no seminal moment that she could identify. What started out as the government trying to care for a confused and helpless populace seemed to slowly morph into controlling the helpless people. For their own good, of course, she thought. Such control was apparently intoxicating to those in command of resources. They sought to capitalize on the crisis, to control everything, to force their utopia into existence. For everyone's good, of course, whether they like it or not. She glanced back at the New Hampshire side of the river. In the new utopia, freedom was a crime. It's just not right, Susan muttered. What's not right? Aaron asked in a worried whisper. Do I not have enough leaves on me? She began to rake more leaves on top of herself. Oh, you're fine, Susan said. Shh, get down. Here it comes. The hum grew louder in the north. The drone's pace was a little quicker than its first pass. As she eyed the drone's passage, Susan realized that for the past many months, she had been accepting the slow creep of the new utopia, adapting to each new coil of the python, coping with each new hurdle. She was focused on merely surviving. Now that she was a hollow shell of a woman, with loathing in lieu of a soul, she felt a calling. Fight the python. What did she have to lose anymore? Well, that does it, said Shively as he hefted himself up out of the leaves. Time to move along. Lots more business to tend to, you know. Seeing Aaron emerge from beneath her generous pile of leaves reminded Susan of movies in which zombies rose from their graves. In a way, she felt a little like a zombie herself. The future she had imagined for so long had died, and yet she still walked the earth. In less time than it took to blink, Susan saw Aaron suddenly dragged up against Shively. Susan had her rifle in hand and quickly shouldered it. She wasn't quick enough. Shively had his little pocket pistol held to Aaron's head and her arm twisted behind her back. She was almost within reach, but Susan could not pull Aaron away faster than a bullet could travel a half inch. Fun time's over, miss, he said the last word with exaggerated contempt. Throw it over here, he motioned with his head to the ground beside him. Slowly. Nothing quick or dangerous. Aaron was frozen with wide eyes and her mouth open. Let her go, Susan said. Do as I say, and maybe I will, taunted Shively. Susan's mind raced to find options. Throw her rifle at him and grab Aaron? Finish aiming at him and escalate things into a full standoff? None of her instant plans were faster than a bullet. 
Erin's safety was more important than winning. She had to stall for time in hopes of a better opportunity. She lowered her rifle. Before she tossed it, she slid the safety on. It was a stiff little lever, which is why she usually left it off when she was in an active environment. It might take Shively a second or two to get the safety off. She might need those seconds. She tossed the rifle beside Shively, but not so close as to make picking it up as simple as stooping down. Better, said Shively. We could have been friends, but no. You had to have an attitude. Fine. Now, for that little revolver you keep tucked in your pants. Susan began to reach behind her slowly. Not you, Missy. Shively tightened up his grip on Aaron's arm and made her jump with new pain. Ain't no way I'm gonna let you handle that little piece of yours. Twerp here is gonna fetch it. Turn around. Susan slowly rotated. She was not going to turn her back entirely on Shively. She only rotated three-quarters of the way so she could still watch him. Shively released Aaron and raised the pistol to aim at Susan's back. Go get that gun, twerp, or I'll shoot her first and then you. I'm not joking. Go on. Shively backed up a few steps. Aaron looked back and forth between Shively and Susan. Her hands trembled a little as she lifted Susan's coat, exposing the black grips of the little J-frame. Just use two fingers to lift it out. This is just like with that barren guy, Aaron whispered. A tingle ran up Susan's back, making her stand a little taller. I think it could be. She held Aaron's eye. Aaron looked puzzled at first, but Susan could see the lights come on. Stop talking, demanded Shively. Just pull out the gun and bring it over here. Always hold it with just two fingers. I can't pull it out with just two fingers, Aaron complained. It's stuck. Just do it, insisted Shively. Don't play games with me. Aaron placed her other hand against Susan's waist to steady herself. While she tugged at the revolver with just two fingers, the fingers on her other hand were pulling at the slipknot securing Susan's hunting stick to her belt. I knew you could do it, said Shively. Now bring it here. Aaron stopped just outside of Shively's arm's reach. She wasn't going to get close to him again. She held out the revolver. He snatched it away. Aaron ran back to stand beside Susan. Shively picked up Susan's rifle and slung it over his back. He draped the rope connecting the two heavy ammo boxes across his shoulder. As much as I'd like to extract some compensation from you two for all of the trouble you caused me, I don't have time. He began to walk backward toward the northern end of the island. I'm going to take your canoe back across, he said. Susan glanced at Aaron. With her eyes, she gestured to Shively and whispered, Keep him talking. Aaron nodded, slightly and nervously. When I give the word, pretend to see something scary behind him. Understand? Susan whispered, ventriloquist style. She nodded for Aaron to begin talking. Aaron nodded back. What about us? You, you can't just leave us here? Aaron said as she took two steps away from Susan. I'm doing that right now. You two can try swimming the river, probably get picked up by the feds, 
or you could wade across to the other side. Either way, you'll be out of my hair. With Aaron distracting him, Susan moved her arm slowly behind her back. She had a hold of her stick and gently pulled it free from the loose knot. Now, she whispered. Aaron stood tall, looked up the river, and gasped. Oh, no! I'm not falling for that, sneered Shively. Aaron turned and ran behind a tree trunk. Susan stepped behind a tree to hide, too. Shively vacillated until curiosity got the better of him. He turned to look. Susan hurled her stick with as much force as she thought she could control. Shively's quick glance was enough to reassure him that there was nothing on the river. He turned back just in time for the stick to find its mark. Susan had aimed for his face, but her extra force carried the stick high of her aim. It ricocheted off the top of Shively's forehead. He reeled back a bit from the impact as his hat sailed into the air. Startled, but not stunned or badly hurt, Shively scowled for a moment before realizing that he was off balance. The weight of the silver, once in motion, was not easily stopped. He flailed his arms, attempting to maintain his balance. Susan and Aaron ran toward Shively. He toppled backward, landing on one of the ammo boxes. Aaron stopped running, momentarily puzzled about what exactly she would do when she got to Shively. Susan felt no such hesitation. She leaped past Shively as he writhed to get off of the ammo box. From behind his head, she grabbed his jaw and pulled his chin up. With her other hand, she held her big knife blade against his throat. Shively froze, still draped over the plastic box. Oh, my God! gasped Aaron. You're not going to kill him like you did the others, are you? I can't watch. She tried to turn away, but kept peeking over her shoulder. I can't not watch. Oh, my God, I don't know what to do. Are you going to kill him? I haven't decided yet, Susan said as she caught her breath. Go find the two pistols. She released her grip on Shively's chin so that she could slide the sling off of his shoulder. Oh, right. Aaron spun around as her eyes searched the leaf litter and scrub stems. Uh, here's one. She ran off to fetch it. I've had enough of you, Shiv. Remember my bonus offer? Susan growled close to Shively's ears. He said nothing. She slowly slid her blade along his skin until he flinched. I can still revoke it. Here's your revolver, called out Aaron. Oh, and there's your stick. She was a picture of a little girl at an Easter egg hunt. She returned with her eggs in her arms. She stood before the crumple of Shively on the ground with Susan's knife at his neck. Aaron swallowed hard. I've never seen anyone, you know, die before. She stared hard at Shively's eyes, as if to capture his last moments in her memory. He's not going to die. Not today, anyhow, Susan said. As much as Shively deserved some serious pain, Susan realized that his connections might be useful. Uh, he's not? Aaron's confused look was half relief and half disappointment. Not unless he gets stupid. Well, stupider. Susan jumped up, grabbed the stock, and quickly aimed the front sight at the bridge of Shively's nose. Now, stand up. Aaron, in the left side pocket of my backpack is some cord. Pull it out and tie his wrists. We'll have no more surprises out of this one. So, you're gonna steal all the silver for yourself, eh? Snarked Shively as he got to his feet. No, Shiv, a deal is a deal. The medicine for five hundred ounces. I've decided that it's to my advantage that you remain in business. Now, get walking to the canoe. Aaron climbed in first and sat up front. 
Susan insisted that Shively sit in the middle, facing her. She set the two ammo boxes on the bottom of the canoe. Before pushing off, she popped open one of the boxes and counted out a handful of bright metal coins. Our deal was for five hundred, she said as she counted. Twenty-two just happens to be today's fairy toll. She shoved a handful of coins into her front pants pocket, except for one. She held it up to study it. The coin showed a woman in a flowing dress walking past a sunrise. Above her was the word liberty. Exactly, Susan said to herself. She placed that coin in her shirt pocket. As the canoe neared the Vermont shore, Paul stepped out of hiding to help guide it in. When he saw Susan returning, he smiled. When he saw Shively tied, his smile vanished. It's a long story, Susan said as she climbed over the bow of the canoe. She set the ammo boxes at Shively's feet. You'll figure out a way to get loose soon enough. I'll be in touch when I want you for something. In looking at Shively, she could see the island over his shoulder. The hills of New Hampshire rose above the bare-branched trees. She felt oddly hollow inside. Is this how zombies feel inside? She turned back to look at the Vermont hills. Come on, Paul, let's go home. That was actually kind of a tough scene to write, where Susan realizes that she shouldn't go back to Cheshire. While I'm writing, I tend to get into the characters to see things through their eyes, to try to imagine what they must feel. For a long time, Susan had been imagining her return to Cheshire through the filter of what she wanted, what she would get. At the last minute, things flipped. Instead of it being all about her, it became all about him. Sacrificial love is really tough. If you've ever had to do that, you know it's hard. There's a sort of bittersweet in knowing that the other person is, in some way, better off, even if you're into the bargain, is the bitter part. Parents waving goodbye to their son or daughter, driving off to college and probably out of the house and their lives forever, they feel some of that. Well, I didn't mean to get all down and gloomy, especially not just a week before Christmas. I do hope you're getting your decorating and shopping done and you'd be able to relax a little and enjoy the reason for the season. Thanks, all you monthly members and supporters. I have really appreciated your support over this past year. I have greatly appreciated the coffees you bought me, too. It does mean a lot. The last chapter of Book 5 comes up next week, the Friday before Christmas. If you're too busy to listen, eh, just play it after Christmas when things slow down a bit. Thanks for listening.